welcome to the Coin Vigilante Podcast, where you will get to hear laymen like you and myself talk about Bitcoin, cryptos, the economy, financial markets, and business in general. Together, we're going to learn more about business, financial markets, and Bitcoin, and we are here to do this together. Now, I hope you sit down, enjoy this on your way to work. Or while you're sitting down eating some popcorn, just trying to find something fun to do. I hope you enjoy this next episode. What's going on, guys? Another episode of Coin Vigilante Podcast. See, we're resuming episodes. I've already posted three episodes. Well, this will be the third one in about a week and a half. So I'm getting back and rolling. I recently bought a house. Um, it's a pain in the ass to, to furnish and, you know, buy everything to, to put in and also got to buy whatever the fiance wants. And so, you yeah. know, it's been taking some time, but I got the, the Vegas dude with me today. He's big into real estate, has a lot of experience. Um, and he knows everything about real estate. So thanks for being <laughs> on the show, man. Of course. I don't know about everything is I was thinking about this before. Uh, before we spoke to a list of questions, I'm like, so I'm not really the one to ask on the perfect formula of what makes you succeed in real estate, but I can definitely tell you what not to do. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Hey, that's what we need, man. Maybe, yeah, man, maybe I'm I'll not, talk about knowing what not to do. will make you money though. <laughs> that's true. Right. We, we got to learn how to not F up and then we'll, we'll go up from there. But anyway, so, um, give the audience, some of, some of the audience might not know you, um, who are you? How did you get back? How, how, how did you get into the background of like real estate? What do you do? And then you're also into Bitcoin and, and all of that stuff. So go. For so it. just kind of a quick background. I'm originally from Madison, Wisconsin. And, um, you know, I graduated with a philosophy degree and it, it turns out being deep doesn't pay the bills. So, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, kind of worked a bunch of jobs, whatever it was. I met my wife when I was 23. And by the time I was like 27, 28, I'm kind of like, listen, okay, even Peter Pan needs to grow up. I've got a wife now, um, stuff like that. So uh, we bought a house. We bought a foreclosure to flip. Um, this is like in 2006, 2000. No, I'm sorry. It was like 2003 or 2004. And way, way, way back ago. And I really liked the realtor that sold us the house. And I kind of looked into real estate a little bit and I had no clue what actually happens and how you make money and what happens in transaction. I just knew that I wanted, I wanted to do it and I liked the freedom of it. So to me, I'm a kind of person where my freedom means more to me than any kind of money you can make me. You know, so um, got into real estate. And I did it in Madison, Wisconsin, and then had an opportunity through kind of a mutual friend at the time who was an agent in Vegas to come out here in Vegas. So I did real estate in Madison about five years, moved out here to Vegas in 2009 in January, right in the thick of foreclosure capital of the world. And um, it, it was really good education, man. I started off selling $50,000 foreclosures um, not in the best part of Vegas off of Bonanza and Charleston. Go ahead and look that up. You'll know what I mean. And, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I needed money at the time when I first moved out here, I moved out here with everything that I had in the back of my vehicle. And it's one of those things where I just knew that I wanted to have a better life. And I knew that Vegas was a place that, that I could 
get done what I had in my head. Okay. So long and short of it is I get out here, da da da. And then the foreclosure market kind of started happening and unfolding. And my ex-partner and I got in a good, very good position where it, was a, where it was accumulation of a lot of different things, right? So yes, there's always hard work involved, without a doubt. There's never been any sort of person that I've found that has been lucky without a lot of hard work attached to that. So, but you still need right place, right time, right a bunch of things, right? So my ex-partner and I at the time happened to get a radio show, which led to like four or five different radio shows. Um, and we are coming right into the short sale market here. And that's where, um, you know, basically we, the hedge funds like Blackstone came into play. And, you know, we were, I think the top two listing agents in Las Vegas at the time was short sales. And we kind of knew that that's where the market was going, which is how I kind of got into Bitcoin because the most amount of money that I've ever made was when I was ahead of the curve, you know? So um, we were able to get ahead of the curve of what was going to happen in the market and able to kind of capitalize on all the short, you know, foreclosure, um, short sales that were happening. So hedge, hedge funds come in and they bought, I think, like 300 homes from us in, in 2013. Um, and I got obviously a lot of experience. I mean, we had a law firm that was working for us doing the short sales, um, you know, because we would try doing the short sales with the banks. And we found out that when we had an attorney call them instead of us, we got results right away. <laughs> okay. So, so, so you know, let, go ahead. Let me interrupt you real quick. I don't even yep. know. So this is why I brought you here. What, what do oh, you mean sorry. by short sales? Like, is that short? Oh, I'm, sales? Sorry. What is that? I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So short sales think it has a lot to do with time. It actually takes a lot more time. It's not a short period of time. Short sales stand for basically you're shorting the mortgage. Okay. So you're going to a lender, say a lender gives you a loan. You just bought a house. Say you got a loan for $400,000. Well, now you're in a market where your $400,000 loan, your house is worth 250 or 300. So you're hundred, $150,000 upside down. And at the time, nobody knew the market was going to turn like it did, you know, and pick back up. People were like, man, 10, 15 years, it's going to take you to catch up. I mean, we were uncharted territory, so nobody knew. So what you do is you go back to the, sell to the seller's lender and you say, hey, will you take $250 for this $400,000 loan? And at the time, 85% of the homes in Las Vegas were underwater with their mortgage. It means their mortgage was more than what they owed. Well, yeah. state of Nevada stepped in and said, we don't want you guys foreclosing anymore on our properties. And if you want to do business in the state of Nevada, you need to abide by our laws. So the state Senate stepped in and said, if banks want to foreclose on your house now, they have to bring in the original deed. The problem with that is that the minute that you get a loan, that note gets sold probably within the first 30 days. So most of these notes, these, these deeds, were sold five or six times over. And by this point, half those lenders aren't even in business anymore. So how are you gonna find the original deed? You're not. But to supersede a little bit, you know what would have fixed all that? Blockchain. If they would have stored everything on blockchain, we would have never had that issue, dude. I'm telling you, banks would have never gotten screwed over. Something to think about. Anyways, so, so at the end of the day, you've got a market where 85% of the homes are still underwater. You have two choices to deal with that. Foreclosure, short sale. 
They just took away the foreclosures. What do you have left? Short sales. And we knew that because we knew the state senators that were drafting the bill. So we were able to kind of get ahead of the curve. And then we got lucky with like a radio show at the right time and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you're talking about a radio show that's talking about something that affects almost the entire international city. So people are paying attention, right? So anyways, blah, blah, blah. The hedge funds went up to all the top agents in all the major cities and said, we want first dibs on your property, on all your listings. Because they realized up until that point, hedge funds had never really delved into real estate. But they realized it was a time in the market that you'll never see again for these home prices. And they came in and they set up shop and they bought a bunch of homes and then they rented them out and they called themselves invitation homes. And then they put their stock on the market and then they took their homes that they had bought for cheap, fully rented out, put them in a package and sold them as a stock. So when the rest of the world was realizing that Las Vegas and other cities that the market had hit rock bottom and it was starting to swing up. Blackstone was already out of town, dude. <laughs> they were already out of town with like 2000 homes in each city. They just, it was a thing of beauty kind of when you look at it. I mean, the art of Wall Street hedge funds, they don't mess around, dude. I mean, they just came in and steamrolled everybody. And by the time the rest of the country kind of realized that the tide has turned, they're like, see ya. <laughs> So I got a lot of experience with that, right? So the long and short of it is from that, I learned to kind of be ahead of the curve. And then in about 2017, um, you know, for the first time in my life, I kind of started getting a little bit of money. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm like, okay, um, what should I do with it? I, and so I started looking into stocks. And then, you know, I was raised in a blue collar household, paycheck to paycheck. My dad was a cheesemaker. My mom was a bank teller. and there was no lessons or conversations about what to do with money and how to invest. So the fact of investing money, um, that so to make money off my money fascinated me, right? Because I worked so hard my whole life to get some, and I'm like, I can just like sleep and like make it. It just blew me away, <laughs> and it really yeah. put me on to stocks, right? So I, I get into stocks, whatever. I'm doing some of these chat rooms and discords and there's all these young kids like your age and I'm like this old man. I'm like, I don't care, man. You got to put yourself out there. That's the way it is if you want to learn. And how do I know unless I put myself out there? That's just how I do it. So I start out and then I started doing penny stocks. And you know, penny stocks, dude, are like a rise and fall of a civilization in like 15 minutes sometimes, right? So the manipulation <laughs> in crypto, I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> so the long and short of it is that kind of got me, penny stocks got me into regular stocks. And every day I'm watching the news or listening to the business news. And I kept on talking about Bitcoin at the time because this is 2017, right? And I'm starting, you know, this is the summer of 2017. Bitcoin, obviously, by the end of the year was up to 20,000, hitting its record high. But, you know, I'm hearing about Bitcoin, I'm hearing about da da da. So I'm like, okay, maybe I should delve into finally. In December of 2017, I delve in and I buy my first Litecoin on Coinbase. Because uh -huh. coin, right? And Coinbase had three coins. They had yeah. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. And Litecoin was the cheapest, cheapest, which is why I bought it. For no other mm -hmm. reason. I didn't know anything about it. And it was like $119 on a Friday morning. And by the end of the weekend, it was like 330. And I was like, <laughs> I remember that. I'm like, I'm like, yo! I've got a new love. Like, 
why isn't everybody in the world in crypto? But I didn't, you know, obviously didn't realize just my timing was like, I've never had that kind of timing in my life on something. And then I spent yeah. the next few years losing my ass, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but, but point being is, you know, my first kind of like year and a half, two years, man, I didn't know what the hell it was. Like, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you fake it till you make it, which is kind of how I was on it. Um, and I kept on trying to wrap myself around the technicals of it. And then it's when I finally said, don't get wrapped up in the technicals and just understand the point of it, that it's really going to impact me and I'm really going to really get it. Right. So I have, and I'm sure like you, you have people all the time that ask you about Bitcoin, how does it work and blah, blah, blah. And I always say, listen, listen, right. You can sit at home and start a t-shirt business selling t-shirts and do everything online and run an entire business and make money sitting at home on your computer. Could you tell me the computer protocols that happen to make that happen? No, <laughs> not at all. Don't get caught up in it, right? Because and I'm sure it's like you. I mean, I speak to people in the crypto community that are way more intelligent than me that are IT guys or I'm good friends with a guy here in Vegas who's a cloud architect from Microsoft. I mean, these people are like off the charts intelligence to me, but never once do we talk like technicals, you know? Um, so I think that's kind of what trips people up because if you do, that's what kind of took me a year, a good year to like finally kind of start to wrap my brain around it, which I was kind of focusing on the wrong area of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's, no, what that kind of, sense. that's what kind of got me into Bitcoin and everything was being ahead of the curve. And then once I really understood what it did, you know what I really did, man, is, is I read and also listened to the Bitcoin standard. And that really, I think everybody in the world, man, I think every high school kid is, should be a prerequisite. Because when you, and, and that's what I say, it's not about understanding Bitcoin. It's about understanding our monetary system and how it's always been set up and especially how it's yeah. always been set up against you, you know? And right, why right. they're scared. That's the that's way. Why they're, they spread. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, I'm not uh, an expert. I'm not an economist. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, someone that knows like a developer that knows everything, the ins and outs, but I'm a regular dude. I'm a layman who understands yeah. that we're currently living in a rigged, corrupt financial system. And yeah. I know that the solution is Bitcoin. That's all I need to know. And that's that, all. That's that, exactly. That's point that's that's all anybody needs to know yeah you know and man if people like here's here here's the thing man which is as much as the innovation is there now for the first time in a sense it's in accumulation with the right frame of mind for the world right we're by the day becoming more of a global world and not just by ourselves you know so, um, you know, it's just all, all these things, people don't understand what it can do and the freedom that and, and how people kind of governments hold you down and they manipulate it. And it's like, it's, it's kind of like the same thing I say about religion and no offense to like piss anyone off religion, but anything that's run by humans is going to have faults. Right. Because we're humans. I mean, if right. you want to go about it, it's right in there, dude. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's, anything it's, that's run by humans is going to have faults. So yeah, it's funny because yeah. I just, I, I actually just tweeted, I made a tweet and I was like, literally, I mean, 15 minutes ago, I said, 
the current monetary system is run by the wealthy and the wealthy are the ones who decide what they're doing with our money. And then yeah. I said, Bitcoin and decentralization are run by open source software that run our money. You pick. And so that's, that's. You're, you're 100% right. We're yeah. literally. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Cause I mean, we're literally letting incompetence from the political spectrum and, yep. and also economists that are actually making financial decisions that affect the entire world based on inaccurate data and you know connecting this to real estate not just bitcoin i mean look at look at what happened with real estate over the past year the prices of homes have skyrocketed immensely yep. I, I mean i think i was doing some notes i mean the median the median house price surged 23.6 percent from a year ago yep. and and that was data that I just got recently. And so yeah. who, who, who caused that? It was the government. The kind of down a, a little bit is, is so number one, what caused that is accumulation kind of everything that you sent in your email with the questions you're going to have. It's where was that? Yeah. Based, lumber interest rates and the flights to cities, all three of those things, right? So you have his, the lowest interest rates you've ever had ever, right? So my parents bought their first house in the late 70s and interest rates were like 17%. Can you imagine, dude? Can, <laughs> dude, can you imagine? People still bought homes then. <laughs> but, right? So here's the thing. Interest rates are so low right now that even if interest rates went back to kind of a normalization, if you're paying fifty or sixty thousand dollars more for a house right now, what you're saving because your interest rate is so cheap is equivalent to that. Does that make sense? So, so really, what do you have to lose? Like, that's not buying a house is not getting in your way of buying a house. You know what I mean? Because the interest rates are so cheap that even if the market is escalating and increasing 20, 25 percent. What you're getting for that interest rate is, is so historically low that that saves you on the payments. Because if interest rates go yeah, makes up another 2%, then, then that, that house at $60,000 more, you can't afford now. So what's going to make home prices level off a little bit more? The demand needs to come down and the interest rates need to go up are, are the two main things. Um, I, at the beginning, when I was getting into this whole thing with real estate, um, I was seeing that part of the reason why, you know, the prices of homes were coming so high is because the supply of houses coming into the market was really low, partly because of COVID. So what happened is there's less workers working out there. There's mm -hmm. less people chopping up wood. And, and again, I don't know if that's We saw the price of lumber. I mean, the price of lumber literally looked like uh, a shit coin that you buy at like 0 0.003 cents and it went up like 10,000%. So is, is the reason why also houses are so expensive is because COVID enabled the price of lumber to go yes. up so high because, yes. I mean. Yes. Yes. I mean, listen, last, last spring of 2020, when, when COVID first started hitting and it was, you know, we're going to start shutting things down or where it was. Dude, I told all the all my past clients, I'm like, dude, sell your house now, because I don't, I like, I between you and me, I don't know what's gonna happen. 
nobody expected what we had happen. And so why weren't people selling their homes? Okay, well, great, your homes increased 25%. So now I sell my home to go buy into that exact same market. So unless you're into doing a, creating a lot of work for yourself just to pay a realtor, go for it. <laughs> but yeah. but if not, why why would you why would you sell to buy into that market? Um, number two, rentals are even harder to get right now, at least in Las Vegas, than homes are. You know, um, so there, there there's a few different things, and um, you know, most importantly, say you bought your house ten years ago, you're you're not going to turn around and be able to buy a house for what you're paying right now on your on your house. You're going to have double the payment. So okay, I walked away with twenty five percent more, or you know, I'll say I bought it five six years ago, I walk away with 35 percent more. But you're going to use that on a down payment for a more expensive house, um, you know. So it's it's kind of going from Peter to go to Paul for what, you know? Yeah. And then you and then you had people who didn't know what was going to happen with the market. They didn't know if they were going to lose their job down the road. They didn't know what was going to happen. So they're not selling their house. They're not. They're staying put. You know, and so what you're going to see, I think, is a few years from now, when we look back and we kind of look at historically what happened, is you're going to see a huge migration of people from the city to the country. And um, people can work remote now. It's been kind of tried and tested. And I think it's here to stay. And something that I tell people, especially on my podcast, that people don't want to hear, which is I think this is the new normal prices. And I, I know it sounds awesome to say the market's going to tank. I, and I know it sells and I know it's sensational, but I was alive and well and selling in the thick, in the thick of ground zero of the last housing crash. And I can tell you it's apples and oranges, dude. You know, what was behind the things back then were things like Nina loans, no income, no assets. Somebody walks into the door to a lender. Hey, I'm a teacher. And in realistic, in all real, you know, in, in reality, you make 60 grand a year. Hey, I'm a teacher. Um, I'm going to buy this $500,000 house and then we're going to buy two other rental homes for another $400,000 a piece. Okay, well, how much can you afford it? Yep, trust me. Okay, I don't need to bring in any verification. I don't need to bring in bank statements. I don't need to bring in employment checks, nothing. Just trust me, I make that money. Sounds good. Sign here. That's what happened. The so that's time. so that's literally what happened in 2008, like around that time. Because yes. here's, here's what happened, dude, is for the prior 20 to 30 years before leading up to that moment, is you had Congress and the and I don't care what president it was, Democrat, Republic, Congress, is the more you free up lending standards, the more people that can buy a home. The more people that can buy a home creates more money into the economy. And you're a politician, you can say, oh, four years ago, the economy was this, and now it's this. Dude, it gets you reelected, man, right? So nobody always just pushes the buck, pushes the buck, pushes the buck, pushes the buck. Now add on 20 years of that shit, right? And you get to a point where now, basically we're looking at the early 2000s going into the mid 2000s, and Countrywide was the first one to do it. And believe me, I'm friends with the guy who was the number one lender in the entire world for Countrywide. And I can, <laughs> you don't even want to know, dude. All right. So 
basically what happened was Countrywide basically says, we, you know, they were the first to do the Nina loan, no income, no assets. And then they said, you don't even need to bring in a down payment, right? We'll take out a second mortgage to be your down payment on your first mortgage. So now, right? So now you've got no skin in the game. So now you're getting a loan that you can not only not afford, but you've literally got no skin in the game. Okay. You've got no money involved. So if you lose that foreclosure, you're not losing anything, dude. You're not losing the down payment. You're not losing anything. So if your house is down 150 grand, why in the hell would you stick around? You wouldn't, right? So when that first domino falls, the rest fall. So going back to the lending part of it, you know, Countrywide says, oh, we're going to start giving out these loans. They start giving out these loans. And the way these loans were set up was they were going to take two to three years before the bad end of it that you didn't weren't really aware of was going to start taking into effect. So you've got a two to three year period in there where you can write out bad loans and you're not going to have any consequences. And when everyone's drinking the same, dude, listen, when people, when everybody involved is making money hand over fist, who's going to be the first person to red the red flag? Nobody. In reality, in the reality is nobody does, dude. When people are making money hand over fist, lenders, appraisers, realtors, everybody involved. That's how humans work, right? So even though everyone knew in the back of their mind, so Countrywide starts giving out these loans and then all the other lenders around the area start saying, well, geez, we need to start giving out these loans too because if we don't, they're going to take all of our business. So now they need to start offering these loans so they can be competitive and it just spread. And now you've got two or three years worth of loans that people had no money for, couldn't qualify for, you didn't have to bring in any verification. Just trust me, I have the money. Okay, sounds good. And as long as the market keeps on escalating, you're good to go. But what happens when that first wave starts hitting? Then it's a domino effect. And the difference between then, that's what happened then. And now, listen dude, like, 45% of the buyers in Vegas are cash. Yeah. How are you going to foreclose on a cash? That's the other ones are doing 20% down. I've got a buyer right now. We just got in contract. It was listed at 495. We just got in contract at 525, waiving the appraisal. And, the, and there were 25 offers. And the only reason my buyer got it was because the listing agent I used to own a brokerage and I trained her back in the day. <laughs> so I called her up and said, Jennifer, I need a favor. <laughs> there you, you know? go. <laughs> but they're paying 25 grand over out of pocket. So it's not like people are barely getting these loans. And you know, you just got a loan. You've got to give your blood, sweat, and tears in firstborn, dude, to get a loan right yeah. now. Right? That's well, let me tell you. Yeah, and there's a big difference because as I'm hearing this, like you said, in 2008, it's a piece of cake. You don't need any requirements. You just go there, sign, you get the loan to get the house. My yeah. my fiance is actually in there, and I always hear crazy things of what's going on with her job and everything. And she was talking, I mean, the way she talks to me, all the requirements that these loan officers require in order for someone to actually get approved to get the house are, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. No, we, 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 Dude, I, have, I mean, it, it, I, have, I, I hear, I have buyers bitched me for a, a full 30 days. <laughs> Why is a lender? Why? Oh, I'm like, yeah, dude, I just sell. Homes. They want everything. 
They want everything. They want all the information. I mean, literally yeah. bank statements. They want yeah. to know why you had a loan over here. Why did you just buy a car? Why why'd you everything? So it's actually crazy. So that is a big difference, actually. And I I I always read about what happened in the 2008 recession and how, but looking at the contrast, I mean, that type of domino effect is not gonna happen like it did in no, 2008. I mean, because I, I was selling real estate in ground zero of the world for the housing crash at the time. I can tell you firsthand the the, the difference. And 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 listen, I know it sells better to say, oh, we're coming to the only thing that I foresee that will make things come down some is inflation with the dollar and the and the, and the dollar deflating in value that's that's but but anything else it's like yeah i mean more homes need to come on the market and materials need to come down a little bit and interest rates rise a little bit and that will bring the buyer pool down and then more people will put their home on the market and it'll, it'll kind of steady things off but nothing's going to drop 2020 in fact Go ahead. What about the eviction? So I saw that 3.6 million renters report likelihood of having to move um, because they have the inability to actually pay rent and more than 11 million Americans are behind on rent. So would that affect prices of um, Because if you have 11 million evictions, what's going to happen? Well, so here's what I always refer back to is that's all true, right? But do you know what outdoes that number? The amount of buyers, the amount of buyers. So there's 10 buyers for every freaking home. So let it go to foreclosure. Not that I want anything to go to foreclosure, but me, myself, I've got these, I mean, I can't speak for Ohio, but here in Las Vegas, we're the new, we're the new Cali. And that was my theory when I moved here in 2009 was I looked around and said, dude, sooner or later, every valley gets filled sooner or later. And sure as shit, here we are 12 years later and it's getting filled. And everybody from Cali is coming here. So they're coming here and I'm showing them a $700,000 house. And I'm like, there's three offers. They're like, I'll do 750 on that house, 775 on that house. They'll pay 50, 70 grand over cash. And to them, it's still the cheapest house they've ever seen. Because where they come from, that $700,000 house is 2 million. So they sold their house, bought mine for 700 cash and still have 1.3 left over. So you know what they do with that extra money? They come to me and say, not only do I want the seven or $800,000 house, but I want to buy an investment or a couple of investments as well that are more around the 400 and below price point. So if that happens, I've got probably 50 freaking buyers lined up. I'm just one agent out of like 18,000 agents here in Vegas. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, not that I want anyone to be foreclosed on, but I mean, I think we're in a time right now where the government's, um, very consumer friendly as far as protecting consumers and patenting things for them. So um, I don't think it'll just be a straight drop and all these foreclosures, number one. But if there was, I mean, that's a thing that people can't get around, which is let's base it off of numbers. Let's not just go by opinions or whatever it is. Let's base it off of numbers. I mean, dude, my sister-in-law just sold her house in Madison, Wisconsin. They listed it at 380000 and sold it for four fifty. Seventy thousand in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm like, dude, if I would have known that, I would have stuck around there. <laughs> I know. Listen, I'm kind of proud. I'm from Madison, as you can see behind me, man, right? That's that's Madison yeah. at night. So yeah, pretty, I'm, yeah. I'm you know, I'm I'm proud of Madison, man. I mean, honestly, and it's always been like a very intellectual university city with 
stem cell research and IT. And I guess there's a bunch of like uh, startups um, because Epic is, uh, is, is a main company there. And Epic um, creates like charts for healthcare systems. And the lady who owns it's like a billion, dude, beyond a billionaire, you know? So <laughs> a lot of people work there for two, but what she does is she'll hire the best talent, but she'll work them to death. She'll literally work them to death because they're all replaceable to her. So she'll work them to death for like two or three years. They make good money, but dude, they work to death. And they say, F you, we're done with this. And they've got the knowledge that they need. So they, they're starting startups now in Madison. But that's cool, man. I don't kind of, you know, so long and short of it is this, which is no matter what kind of market you go by, even if I'm only in Las Vegas, um, there's such demand right now, you know, and, and, and that's, that's, a, that's something, it's, it's simple, man. Economics 101, supply and demand, you know? Yeah. And, so and the what's going to happen? Go ahead. But what's going to happen to to the little guy? I mean, for example, I mean, and from the podcast that I've been reading, research that I've been doing mm. is basically the boomers and older generations are the ones that hold assets, the ones that hold real estate, the ones that hold bonds, the ones that hold basically any any asset that you can find out there. Commodities, it doesn't. So here we have. Millennials and Generation Z, these younger generations that are just getting off of college with a record four trillion dollar in debt, um, you name it, right? Mm -hmm. And inflation has gone up tremendously thanks to the, these boomers doing their monetary printing and printing cash out of thin air. What do you say? Because right now, and look, when I was looking for houses, it was crazy, man. Every house was going the exact same day. Um, yep. People were were you know asking price was going i mean people are putting offers over 20 percent, 30 percent of asking price and they were going nuts it's just like las vegas right mm -hmm. it's happening the exact same way how are people i mean is this pricing out the little guy the low class the middle class is, what's gonna happen well you know man that, that that's a conversation that's been going on forever and a day right and the same things that you say of like the boomers left us with this well my generation walked into that shit too you know, so every every generation thinks they're the first to discover that the world's messed up. You're not, right? <laughs> like, every, like every generation realizes it, dude. But there's a difference between being wishful thinking and noticing the world's messed up, and then getting to your 30s and stuff and realizing that no one cares, and I need to worry about myself, and I need to try to get ahead in life and worry about myself because no one else cares about me. You know, that's the difference between idealism in your early 20s. No offense, and yeah. And be, being a full-fledged adult, right? right? Like I was thinking about the other day. It's like I go on TikTok and stuff and I see all these, these, I don't know what, Gen Z or whatever, complaining about how I'm like, yeah. <laughs> same shit we noticed, same shit my parents noticed, same like, you know. Um, so, you know, I will, but you guys have advantages too though, which is I think that collectively the younger generation's mentality which is, you know, you found ways to say F you to the man and, 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 and go about it the way that you wanted to. The way that a lot of you guys are going about things, believe me, dude, my generation wishes we could have. Don't get me wrong. I, there's, there's a lot easier ways that, I, that the system was set up for that you guys are able to accomplish now that I wish my generation could have. It's just things weren't set up in the world for that to happen you know, at the time. Right. 
Um, so as far as pricing out, you know, you know, I mean, listen, if you're making 15 bucks an hour and you're starting out in life, then it's probably going to be a tough market to buy a house in without a doubt. I think even though, you know, these prices are going to be more of a norm, um, you know, things come up and things come down. Things I don't think will come down that much, but I would say the, the, the main thing is, is, okay, not only for your generation, how do I buy a home? But it's the debt you're already coming into society with incurred from college, you know, and I agree, dude, I'm with you on that one. I mean, I went to a private liberal arts school and it took me forever today. And like I said, I majored in philosophy. So it was a worthless freaking degree, you know, but I mean, that's the main thing is, is, is how do you deal with both that debt, buy the house and try to try to get ahead. When you look at it together, it says, where's my American dream? That, that idea of the American dream seems long dead to your generation of what that stood for for boomers and stuff. You know what I mean? Because you guys are, it, 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 it was a lot more simpler back in the day, right? So when my, when my dad graduated high school, first of all, like, don't complain. You know what my dad's choice was when he graduated? Go to college or go to war, get drafted. Do you, have, do you have more choices than that in life? If you do, you're a better generation off. <laughs> and when my dad said that to me, I was like, yeah, you got a point, right? You know, but, but their whole thing was, you, you know, you either, you get done with war or the military or, or college or whatever it is, and you get out into the world and you work nine to five. And I think there was a lot of disillusionment with that generation. Um, because they they did what they thought they had to do for that American dream, and they're at the end of the day standing back saying, "I where 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 to go?" You know. So that sentiment is alive and well with my generation and with your generation, and I think your generation's in a position where you guys have a lot of you guys have a lot of intelligent people in in your generation, and you guys are growing up on technology. And right. that's something that, that you guys, I wouldn't say take for granted, but it's just, it's so much in your favor to be grown, to, to growing up in that. Right. Because it, that's how you think in terms of everything with that. Like, I forgot what app it was the other day. I'm like downloading this thing and I'm trying to do this thing with pictures and stuff. And I'm trying like 20 minutes trying to figure this out. I'm like, how the hell do you, and then I looked down, I'm like, oh, I just had to push this button. It's like, <laughs> it was hard for me to understand that something could be that simple. <laughs> yeah. You True. know? And it's like, duh, it makes sense. Like, once I figured it out, I'm like, duh, it makes sense, you know? So, um, I don't know, man. As far as it, it's like anything in life, man. Um, you're just going to have to pay your dues in life. And I know this isn't like, a quick solution and like just a one quick answer that's going to provide relief for everybody or for sure answer, which is, you know, get out in life like everybody else, man. I started out with nothing. Like I said, I moved to this town 12 years ago with everything that I had in the back of my vehicle, man, you know, and I, I lived in a budget suites out here, which is right off the ghetto. Every billboard that was around me was in Spanish. And I'm a white dude from Wisconsin, man. I was like, <laughs> you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. 
<laughs> you know, every night I'm watching the news and they're talking about a murder that's like around the block and stuff. So it's like, but I knew what I wanted to get done in life. And I knew that I was going to work at it and work at it and work at it until I got what I wanted. How was I going to do that? I don't know. I'll figure it out. And that was, that was my attitude. And I think that you're either, if you have that and, and you have that in you right now, so you'll, you'll be fine. Um, but as far as the regular Joe Schmo, man, it's just like, I don't know. The main thing, here's the quickest way to buy a house if you're younger, save. Save and, and keep your credit score up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, FHA is three and a half percent. If you went to the military, no down payment. So then what's going to stop you from getting a house? Low credit score. Keep your credit score up. You know, um, that's kind of my take no. on it. There's no quick answer no. of, of what's going to. And listen, with all this, there's a lot of things that can happen down the road that I can't foresee. Like in, in any yeah. agent who says, oh, man, here's what's going to happen two years from now. Run the other way. Because anybody who can predict a year and a half, two years down the road is full of shit, 100%. Yeah, true. No, I get that. But so, okay, so you understand everything from, from the real estate perspective and you understand cycles and how they apply. So if you were to tie this to Bitcoin right now, so Bitcoin just saw a 50% decrease from 64,000 to about 28,000. Everything is basically... Shit hit the fan on every coin, down 70%, even some down 80%. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at what happens, so real estate is a, a scarce asset, right, um, for the most part. So you look at Bitcoin, you look at cryptocurrencies. If you connect the dots with supply and demand, what do you foresee in the macro perspective? Do you think Bitcoin is going to keep moving up from here? I mean, what, yeah. what do you – um, Well, in the immediate future, I mean, here's what I say, man, is – you know, and you know this from being in the crypto world, man. There's so much manipulation and things that go on that, you know, man. I mean, I've, you know, you've seen it and I've seen it drop 20% in a matter of five minutes before, like you have. So, um, you know, there, there's one half of people that out there that I've been hearing that say, oh, it's going to drop down to a quick seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000 and then it's going to skyrocket up and never go back. Other people say we hit it at 30 and now we're back at the 40 and this is proof and blah, blah, blah. I think the overall big picture is it'll be easily be a million dollars someday um, because we have the adaption factor, which is what I was trying to say before a little bit, which is for the first time in, in, in human history, I feel we have the mentality to actually take something, this technology and do something with it, right? What good is Bitcoin technology and decentralization if the world's not going to adapt it and the world's not ready for it, there's nothing worse than a good idea that's not ready for its time. And I think there's nothing better than a good idea that's met its time. And I think that we're at a time in history that we have the right mentality and the right openness and the right globalization where we can actually make this the world currency. And I think it will, man. I think it'll be the world currency in the next 15 to 20 years. And I tell a lot of people at my brokerage and other people I know, I'm like, dude, the American dollar won't be here in 20 years. And they laugh at me and they say all these things. And <laughs> that, that, that's fine, man. I mean, you just got to look where the money's going, right? Jack Dorsey, Michael Saylor, all, all that stuff. It's like everyone. It, it's turned the corner. You know, it's, it's, it's turned the corner. So we're not going back. So what level 
will be the lowest before it bounces back up? Can't tell you. I can tell you where I, where I, what I believe it's going to be someday. And I believe it's going to be the world currency. And furthermore, that's why I want to integrate my, my real estate business with Bitcoin. You know, so I just hired this guy who's going to start this whole promotion thing for me and create my websites and all that stuff where I'm going to go around here in Vegas and basically advertise, Hey, you want to sell your house with Bitcoin? I'm your guy. You know, I went out and you ever heard of Proppy? Have you ever heard of Proppy? Mm -mm. No, I haven't. So they're like a blockchain real estate thing. They're like a tech, tech company in San Francisco. So I went on their website, whatever, and I became the first crypto certified agent to stay in Nevada. I went for a weekend and I got, I'm a certified Bitcoin professional now as well. And all those things don't mean anything other than like I took a course and, you know, what's the degree? I don't really, I'm just trying to figure out how to monetize it right now. Right. But I figure it can't hurt me to have it. And listen, man, I, I spend all day talking to title companies and I get rejection after rejection after rejection right now. They all say to me, Brett, you're five to 10 years ahead of yourself. And I say, I know that's why I want to do it right now. Because as of before, the most amount of money to be made is ahead of the curve, right? You could let, you can be in denial and you can let it steamroll you, or you can say, here's what I'm squaring up against. How can I work it to my advantage? You know, and real estate's an industry that's begging for blockchain. It's begging for cryptocurrency, you know, and especially if I believe that the world currency is going to be Bitcoin someday. Um, so, you know, I go to these title companies and I'm saying, listen, I want to, here's what I want to do. I'll go about, and they all say the same thing. I get to their attorneys and the attorneys basically say, listen, I'm not going to say what you're trying to do is illegal, but it's a gray area and no attorneys will touch a gray area. They just, they just, they just won't do it. So now what I started doing is I started going around to all the home builders here. And the major ones like DR Horton, Toll Brothers, um, Lennar, Pulte, and I'm I'm going around to them and I'm trying to set up appointments right now where I can where I'm just going to these builders right now, basically saying, Hey, listen, the market's going great right now, and congratulations, and you guys are killing it. But you and I both know that sooner or later the market's gonna calm down some. And when it does, you're gonna wanna open up your buyer pool as much as you can. So I want to try to get in with the builders to, you know, to try to get them to start accepting Bitcoin. And I realize, you know, I may have to work on these sons of bitches a year, a year and a half <laughs> before, <laughs> but I don't understand the word no. So I don't mind that. Right. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do right now, because it's just real estate is begging for it. It's begging for blockchain. It's begging for, you know, deeds and everything. Like, as I mentioned before. When the state of Nevada came in and said, banks, you can no longer foreclose unless you bring in the original deed. If all that was st stayed on blockchain. Yeah. They, yeah. Think about how much money banks would have, they would have saved themselves hundreds of millions. You know, that's just one avenue. And then there's doing a thing like you can do tokenizations with buildings where like, say I'm going to like, what did Donald Trump do? Right. Donald Trump goes out and says, okay, um, I want to put a building here in New York City and tear this down and put up a new one. And he goes out to all the rich people he knows and uses their money to basically do the building, right? And so what you do is you go out and for your funding is you put everything in a token. So now to be able to buy and sell pieces of that property, you could literally do on an exchange or you can trade back and forth. 
and everything's in an LLC. So you don't have to worry about the deeds going through escrow and, and all these things. There's a multitude of ways of doing it. It's a lot easier to fundraise. It's a lot easier to sell your share. And then think about having a portfolio of like 50 different buildings and you're finding out what fits your portfolio the most for what you want for return on investment for six months, a year, whatever it is. And then you can buy and sell your tokens based off of that. I mean, there's just a whole plethora, a whole plethora, dude, of things I know, you know? And so I hit up Proppy and I said, hey, um, I'm an agent in Las Vegas and I'm, you know, I want to team up with you. I work for absolutely free. I'll do everything on my dime. I'll take out your garbage. I'll wash your cars. I don't, I'm 45. I don't give a shit because I'm looking to get myself into a, an industry. And, and so I don't care what I have to do to learn the knowledge. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not above anything. Right. And I hit him up like four times and he never once responded. And like the last message I said, Hey, you guys should really contact me. There's always a seat at the table for somebody like me. <laughs> and they didn't respond back. So then I kind of, you know, started subscribing to their website and stuff like that. And I saw how they did. They actually sold a property through an NFT, which, so I know how to do that now. I took notes and everything that they, that they did, I know how to do. It makes complete sense. All it really is, 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 is knowing how to, how to get around things legally and the law and, and how do I put things yeah. in an LLC so I can supersede this and all those things. And that's all, that's all that was stopping it before was figuring out legally how to do it. And that's what Proppy was able to do. And so I watched that and then I see what they do. And I'm like, you know, they're not getting back to me. F them, right? I know exactly what they're doing. I know how to do it. I don't, so I'm trying to throw shit on the wall to find out how to do it, you know, right now. So hey, that's kind eventually of when you dig deeper, I mean, you'll yeah, find man. a way to do it. But. All I know is that if you apply yourself to anything and you really want to learn something and apply yourself to it, you can do it, man. Period. Period, man. You know, so um, I just like the fact real estate became really boring to me and real estate became really mundane and just like, you know, just all day people bitching and maneuvering parties around. <laughs> people complain about things that aren't real issues, dude. I mean, let's, you know, whatever. So I just was starting to get kind of really depressed and just really like, because I'm the type of person where money matters, but not that much. I need something to make me feel alive. And that's how I live my life, right? So real estate really got repetitive and it's just, I've done so many deals and so many situations that there's nothing you can throw at me that's really gonna challenge me anymore. So I just, yeah. you know, and then so that's, you know, so then I really started delving into kind of blockchain and crypto with real estate and was like, man, this is a whole avenue that's a whole business that's absolutely begging, begging for this to happen. And the more I learn about, the more I see how it can change and how it can be beneficial. And then I started reading more about it and was like, dude, I know how to do that. I can do that. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, you know, seeing yeah, what the, the potential and all that. Go ahead. So huge. I mean, if you look at everything, I mean, you just talked about tokenizing real estate. I mean, we have everything. We have Ethereum where you can build you know, anything on Ethereum to, 
to decentralize anything and put everything in the blockchain. And like you said at the beginning, had everything been put in the blockchain, a lot of the disaster that happened back in 28 or 2008 wouldn't have happened. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, the future is definitely here, um, whether it's an actual currency like Bitcoin or it's an actual ecosystem like Ethereum. I mean, everything is here and it, it's right in front of our hands and people just need to open their eyes and, and go for it. And yeah, man. Doing it. You know, and and something that I've really learned from your generation is people want to be rewarded, right? So not only do you need to make it easier than anything else to use, not only do you have to make it to suit their needs, but you have to go an extra step and say, great. The consumer saying, there's 10 other sites just like you. Why should I use yours? Because I'll pay you. Sold! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> and that's something I really learned right. generation, dude. Like when I first got into real estate in 2005, I remember walking into my broker's meetings, right? And my broker being like, you know, maybe you guys should think about maybe getting a website because the internet is like, you know, like 30% of buyers and sellers now are starting to go to the internet. Dude, that's where I came from, you know? And it, then it was, okay, now I've got a website. I'm not going to give these these consumers my information for free. They got to register on my website and that's how I get my leads and blah, blah, blah. But that was the wrong way to go about it, man. And your generation taught us that, which is that is the wrong way to go about it. People know when they're being coerced into something and people say, dude, I don't want to have to fill out just to get what, you know, and hence Zillow came along and really took off because Zillow met that, met that demand. They met that need, you know, that realtors were like, we're the gate, we're the gatekeeper. And you're not going to get anything for free without. And Zilla came along and said, here's all the consumer information for free. Dude, I'll show up to a property for a buyer and they'll have more information on the goddamn property than me. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I got 10 of you. I ain't got time for <laughs> That's literally what happened with me and, and, like, and yeah, everything. I, I like, I, I was literally. I know. Yeah, I, I showed up and my, my fiance showed up and we had a list and we're like, dude, why are you not telling us this information that we already came in? Because I got about? 10 of you at once, dude. There's only so much hours in the day. I know how to get your offer accepted and I know how to get your deal closed. So you don't know that. <laughs> yeah. So what point being is this, which is that's something that I, you know, I personally really learned from your generation, which is so now anything that I set up, whether it's like a tokenization or it's coming on a website for this and that or whatever it is, it would be like one, one idea I have, which is the, a realtor store, right? So the GLVAR, the realtor or the realtors association, we have like, you know, your association has a building somewhere in your area and you can go to that store or even online and you can order open house signs or lock keys or whatever it is like that, right? So I thought, well, what if I start something like that online and just sell it direct to realtors, but sell it with a discount? But then I set it up where they're actually getting crypt, they're getting paid in cryptocurrency or some form of something to use my store versus another store. So not only am I cheaper, now am I more convenient, but I'm paying you to use me. Yeah. And and that came about from watching your generation, which is your business plan, which is my generation was we're gonna set up a business. And then when we make money, we'll give you this information. Your generation says, we're going to skip all that. We're going to give you all this free information for no charge. And where we're going to make our money is people are going to appreciate that. And consumers are going to come to us because it's free. And the more volume we get from that, 
then we can turn around and make our money from the advertisers and whatnot or in other shape or forms. It's, it's really brilliant, man. And that's something that my generation never once came to mind of, hey, let's, let's reverse this business plan. Instead of make money, then provide, let's just provide. And the karma and the volume from that is really where we're going to make our money. What can I offer you first before I ask for any of your money, basically? Mm. Yeah, you don't that's, that's you. No, I mean, I, I didn't really think about it, but that, that's so true. And one yeah, of the guys that comes it. to mind about, <laughs> yeah, what, what, yeah what, one of the guys that comes to mind is Gary V. I don't know if you know him, but yeah, he, he yeah. always works about, he, he's like, give the customer 51 and expect 49 back. And so, yep. I, I mean, always give the customer more than you're, than. And, and in this day and age. Value than you're receiving. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. And, and have a website that has awesome customer service. Because as much as I love your generation and I love crypto and stuff, man, customer service is does not existent. All you can do is email somebody or send in a request. There's nobody you can talk to on the phone. And people like me that have accomplished a little bit of something in life, and they're like, we're going nuts. Like, it's just, <laughs> it, dude, like, I can't tell you. I even Binance US, I was having some problems with those SOBs locking up my account there for a second. They said I did a drawback when I didn't and, and whatever it was, right? And, you know, there, I, I, I emailed them. I said, listen, if you guys charge a $10 a month subscription so that I can get a hold of somebody for customer service, I'll gladly pay it. <laughs> I'll pay you guys 10, 15, 20 bucks a month as long as there's somebody I can actually physically talk to and get an issue resolved right away. And that's sad, man, you know, because that used to be included. Oh, it is. It is. You know, I, I, I agree. But, you know, but anyway, <laughs> we got to let, let, let's wrap this thing up. So I do want to bring you in maybe later on. Something changes in real estate or property yeah. or we got some crazy news coming up. I'll bring you on again so long as you want to come back because yes, hey, it's, 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 it's really useful, man. I, I'm learning a lot about property right now, real estate that I wouldn't even think about if you weren't here. So I think the audience got a lot out of it, um, but you know, you're welcome to come again. I appreciate it, man. And I mutual with you, dude. I learned, I learned a lot from you and, um, just your motivation, your, your will for something better. Um, I, I mean, listen, man, the older you get, you need to be more open-minded and be, and be more in touch with what's going on because it's really easy to slip into what's no, not going on anymore when you kind of get into your world. So you make me feel young and alive like that, man. I love your ideas and you're a hard worker and you know, so feelings mutual, dude. Appreciate it. Perfect, man. All right. It's a win-win. Awesome, man.